welcome to the Out of Decluttering podcast. I'm your host, Amy Ravel. I'm popping in today to introduce an episode that is recorded with one of my friends and fellow podcast uh, hosts, Frances Cosway from Forever Home Podcast. She's also from White Pebble Interiors, is an interior designer, um, is an author and a Forever Home specialist. And she invited me to be on her podcast a couple of weeks ago. And then when I heard the podcast and I, you know, even while I was recording it, I said to her, I think that this episode is actually perfect for my audience too, because we were talking about how to declutter and organize before your renovation or your new build. So, you know, we're specifically talking about that pre-moving out of a space, knowing that you're going to move back in. And so I asked her permission. She shared the episode with me and you're going to hear it now. So I do hope you enjoy. It has come from Francis's podcast. So you'll hear some of, you know, she's hosting. It's not me hosting the conversation and talking to her. It's her hosting the conversation and talking to me. But I really do think it's helpful. So please enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of My Forever Home, the podcast. And today we're doing a decluttering when you're just about to renovate or build. And I have got a really awesome guest today. So I'm going to do just a little bit of a background on how Amy Revel from The Art of Decluttering and I know each other and why I've got her to come on the show today. And then we're just going to get stuck into it. Now, this could go anywhere this episode today because um, there's lots of things that we can talk about. We've got lots of things that we want to share with you. But let me just crack on. So today I've got something that's a little bit different, I suppose, because we're still with the aim of helping you on your renovation or new build journey, but I want to prepare you in a different way. So it's not about materials or preparing for how do I look at my site, all those sorts of things. It's how do I actually prepare to get out of my home to do the renovation or new build. So I've invited the amazing decluttering queen, Amy Revel, on the show. And over the years, I've seen so many clients get overwhelmed at the thought of having to clear out years and years worth of stuff. And so they need to move out for their renovation or new home before so it can actually start. And there's often years and years of things and stuff that they need to declutter. And it gets so overwhelming. And look, I've actually been through this process many times, so I know what it's like, and it's incredibly time consuming. You know, what do we do with all our sentimental things? Uh, I'm really bad at this one, hands up. Um, Furniture that's been inherited, admin papers that's just got years worth of filing cabinets, also guilty of this one, Uh, photos and even clothes. So I met Amy at a function uh, that we had both attended after we both wrote our books many, many years ago. And we instantly hit it off. And I've always been incredibly in awe of how much Amy can cram into her life. I don't know how she does it. And this is one very busy lady. And she hasn't got time or the headspace to be dealing with a cluttered or unorganized home. And a full disclosure too, I've actually had Amy come to my home to help me declutter. Now, look, I am a very organized person, so I know what I need to do. I know how I need to store. I know how I need to look to label and how I need to make use of a space. But that wasn't my problem. Uh, Amy helped me to sort, get rid of and evaluate what to keep and what to let go of. And she helped keep me motivated throughout the day and days because sometimes I had Amy here for a weekend um, when I would have actually given up and said, this is just all too hard. She kept me going. So I've lived and breathed how Amy works with her clients. So Amy is here today to give us loads of tips on how you can tackle sorting and decluttering your home as you prepare to pack up and move so you can renovate and make way for this new home to start. And let's face it, You don't need to be doing either of those things to take away these tips and apply them to your home right now. So let's get started, shall we? And let me um, chat and and let me introduce Amy. Thank you so much for being here today. This is so much fun. (laughs) It will be, it will be. Um, So I suppose I've given an intro on um, Mm. decluttering. So just tell me about the art of decluttering and the sorts of um, people that you work with and, and your work. I mean, you do such a broad breadth of, uh, you know, helping people, but what's your, what's your core, core area mm. of how you help people declutter? Just let this just touch on that briefly first. Yeah. So I've been a professional organizer and decluttering expert for nine and a half years and I absolutely love it. Like it is actually what I want to do on the weekend 
rather than, you know, go on a picnic or a hike. I would much prefer to go to someone's house and declutter. I'm like full nerd. <laughs> In fact, last uh, yeah, Saturday that, night, that, I, I think I that was, was doing full that. nerd. Yeah, that, yeah, that means nerd, that, full that's nerd. full nerd. And what I found is that as I started to embrace this minimalism lifestyle, so I'm definitely not a full minimalist. I've got paintings on my walls and clothes that I don't wear all the time, and but I don't have a lot of excess. And I found that other people started to kind of go, oh, you don't seem to be spending all Saturday tidying up. You don't seem to be stressed with the amount of stuff that your kids have. You don't seem to be needing to create more space all the time. And so it's been like a really awesome journey over the last nine and a half years of helping other people experience freedom from the overwhelm of clutter. And so that might be someone who has just moved into a new house and six months later still have a room full of boxes that haven't been unpacked. Or it oh, might yeah. be, yeah, yep. Many <laughs> oh, people yeah. be noticing this, yep. <laughs> it might be working with someone who is about to downsize and so they're very conscious that the quantity of their possessions needs to be reduced. We work with a lot of people with disabilities that need physical as well as emotional and um, like that mental health support in doing the decluttering. We work with kids and adults and um, anyone who is feeling like, oh, I've got so much stuff and I just don't quite know where to start. I don't quite know how this process works. And so some people have us come in and do the entire project and others might say, actually, I just kind of need to learn from you. And so we might do one or two sessions and then they come back and go, yep, I've got this. And they can then, you know, use the skills they've learned. That's awesome. Really good. And look, as I said, I've experienced you firsthand and you certainly helped me sort out. It was actually my office then and then my garage. And I think Amy was very proud of the before and afters with my garage. But oh, um, they were incredible. You worked very, very hard that weekend. Mm, let's not look at it now, though. Anyway, <laughs> let's, I digress. I digress. So, look, my first question to you is the big one that people ask me all the time. You know, they're moving. They have years and years of stuff. And they're moving only because they're probably going to be moving into a, a temporary place. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, where where do you start? And I'll paint the typical picture. People need to move out to renovate or build their, their new home. They need to pack up the whole house to do this. And it oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes it is years and years, a lifetime of stuff mm-hmm. and things that mean something um, amongst quite possibly a lot of junk too. And the task for them is so overwhelming, so time consuming. And I know that I have people that can't even, you know, start because they're so overwhelmed. So I suppose the big question is, how do you start? Where do you start? Mm. What's your top tip for, for starting? Well, the top tip for starting is not actually very sexy, but it's probably, Fran, where you start with all clients that you're working with too. And it's about like, what's the vision? What's your why? So if someone is saying, okay, what I'm, we're doing a full house reno and we need to move into a short-term rental. Maybe we need to hire a storage unit for some things. The question is not about how do we get everything to the storage unit. It's actually about thinking, okay, when you're bringing it back into your home, what's the why of this whole project? So if the why is about having a lifestyle that is simple, it's about having a home that's beautiful, it's about using your space well, it's about, you know, reducing your impact on your land or on the planet, having that in mind when before you start the decluttering is actually the first step. Because if it's all about, okay, how much can I fit into my storage unit, you're going to take everything you can fit into the storage unit. But if you start with the end in mind, I'm going to be moving back into a beautifully renovated or new home. I don't necessarily want to bring the half broken deck chairs that we've been using in the backyard. So even though they could fit in the storage unit or we could take them to the short-term rental, do I want to bring them back to my house? So that vision side of it is actually like hugely critical because you need to keep coming back to that. It's like your anchor point. Okay, I'm really stuck on this. Okay, what's the vision? And so that is hugely, hugely important. And the beautiful thing, if it's to do with a renovation or a new build, is that you kind of already have that in mind. And so Mm. it's about drawing that out and going, yes, that's actually everything in your mind to do with this whole project has to be tethered to what the vision would be. That is such a beautiful way to look at it. And I've never actually really heard that before. It's And I mean, it's so... 
uh, profound for our whole life, really. Why are you renovating? What are the things that you're trying to to create with this new home that you're creating? And so all the things that are going to go in it, and I really love that you talk about that, the, the, mm. the why, what's the vision? And it's interesting you talk about, um, you know, having this storage area, which is often paid for, and how about this is how much space I've got so I can fill the whole thing just because it's available. And what I'm finding as Australia officially, we all know, have got the biggest houses in the world, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I don't think, something we should be proud of. No. But the more space you have, the more stuff you have. Do you accumulate more just because I've got more cupboards? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to to what you were just saying before, I've got this whole storage unit. Well, I may as well fill it. And as soon as you start having a home that's got more storage and more capacity, you're going to fill it. And that, you know, even comes to, I know you do a lot of like those floor plan sanity checks and really talking through people. In fact, you've looked at a sanity check of a floor plan that we were doing um, before COVID, before the prices went too high for us to do the plan we had. But I often look at it and I'm like, okay, you want to walk in linen cupboard. Does that mean you're going to be tempted to keep more linen than you need for your three bedroom house? Could that space instead be, you know, the reason that you're moving? Do you mm. need a little Pilates studio? Do you actually want to put a podcast studio in? Do you want a little study nook? Do you need a gift wrapping station? Like what about your life is more valuable to you than excess linen? And so, you know, like I, I think it's exciting. That's Is that a guilty smile I'm seeing on your face? It is. I'm just sitting there going, oh, my goodness, me, that, that my, um, my linen cupboard is something on my radar this weekend to actually sort out because when you talk awesome. about how many sheet sets have I got, I can't, I can't even say on this show because I'd be too embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> That means well, I, I feel embarrassed at how low my number is because we have three. We at the start of this year we decided we were sick of having beds of different sizes. So we went, okay, everyone in queen. So we were already in a queen. I've got teenage boys, they were way too long for their singles. So we all got queens and we downsized how's this to four sets of queen sheets. So there's right. only one rotating set of sheets if we need mm-hmm. a spare, because we take them off in the morning, wash them, dry them, put them back on at night. Anyway. Total sidebar. But it is that is a side thing. But it's it's interesting you say that though. One thing I am proud of is my daughter has taken over my old bed, my old queen bed from London. She's taken that over. We're trying it out. So yeah. it, you know, it takes up a lot of space. So do you want more floor space or do you want a bed? So I said to her, you can have it for a while, but I don't have a lot of queen sheets because it's not a bed we use. Mm-hmm. It's a spare bed. And I thought, I'm not gonna go and buy a whole lot of sheets for her now. She can just use the king sheet. Oh, brilliant. So why do I need to go and buy queens? She could just use the king sheets. I've got enough king sheets. So I just, you know, tucked them in a little bit more and I thought we'll make do with king sheets because she might not want to keep that bed. So that was a little bit innovative, but I've still got too many sheets. I love it. I love it. Anyway, we digress. We digress massively. And actually, there's a little story I'll share here about your vision because I don't think I was very good on the vision. Um, you know, I've moved many, many times and I've moved from country to country and I just kept taking things back from Australia to Europe. I know I'm going to move back to Australia, so I took everything from Europe to Australia, but I never used it as an opportunity to say, okay, let's just get rid of some things. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm, going to reveal the embarrassed piece and I think you know this, but I have to say that from London, when I moved back to Australia, I packed up and paid for 10 boxes of magazines to be shipped from the UK to Australia that I never, ever looked at again. <laughs> and they were in my garage and it was when we were doing my garage together that I that you said to me, so how many of these magazines are you ever going to look at again? And I said, well, in the last 10 years, I've never looked at them. And then you let me keep a small amount. And I say, let me, because you were there and, and said, no, no, we need to get rid of all of them. I said, no, no, I, I can't I can't get rid of all of them. So I had a very small pile that I was allowed to keep. And probably five years since you've been here, I still haven't opened any of those magazines. So it's yeah. probably an indication that they all need to go. So I've got a question for you then. How did it, when you walked into your garage and saw the boxes of magazines that weren't only the value of the magazine themselves anymore, they were also the value of the time and the money that you'd invested in shipping them over and storing them in the garage. Yes. How did you feel when you walked in and looked at them? Was it guilt? Was it excitement? It's probably a bit of waste. I was sitting there thinking, I'm never going to look at them. Why did I bring them? 
Uh, and that's probably what was the instigator for you to say, I think they need to go. Yeah. They, they, they need to go. You're never going to look at them. I think for me it was the and, – and I think this would be for a lot of people. When you're getting rid of things, it's the uh, – what's the word? There's an emotional connection of I was hanging on to my past life. Yeah. I was hanging on to these are the things that I loved when I was living in London, when I was renovating my apartment in London. So I was hanging on to that piece of my life. I'd moved yeah. back and, you know, it, it was just a completely different life for me. And I think that that must be, and you would know this, it's the same for a lot of people. When you're getting rid of things, you're saying goodbye to a part of your life that you may not want to say goodbye to. It's not actually the item, it's the memory that you've got with that item. Is that Oh, it's what so happened? true, Fran. And it's it's the memory and it's it's the fear of I might not have days like that ahead. Like that was, you know, mm. we look back on history with rose-coloured glasses and it's like, but that was so good that I kind of want to surround myself with that season of life. And we often do it to the point where we've surrounded ourselves with so much stuff from that season of life that we're not enjoying the current season of life. And so I was actually working with someone on Tuesday and they were getting rid of a heap of books. And the comment was, I, I can't get rid of all of them because they remind me of this person. And I said, okay, how many books from that person do you have? And they said, oh, maybe 30. I said, okay, are you going to read them? No, but they remind me of that really, really special person. And I was like, but 30 doesn't remind you more than one. So could you pick just one? Because you, I see what you're saying. You want to keep an item to remind you of them, but the quantity doesn't make the memory better. <laughs> and so, so, I, so true. I think you and I are in a um, privileged generation where digital cameras came in when we were, you know, in our 20s. And even for our kids, even better, they've been around forever. <laughs> and so we do have the ability to create memories with a photo. But so to every listener listening now is you can take a photo of the magazine. You can take a photo of the book. You can, mm. you know, you have a way. There's lots of alternatives than just keeping all the stuff when you're feeling sentimentally attached. Um, and that then keeps the memory but frees you to use the space how you want, to live how you want, to celebrate the items in your home that you want to celebrate. You want your home to be beautiful, not cluttered where you can't celebrate anything because everything's kind of just, you know, together. Mm. You're very generous there, Amy, when you said that digital cameras came in, you know, in our 20s. I think you forget that I'm about 10 or 15 years older than you, but thank you for that beautiful. Um, <laughs> I but, remember buying but, my first one at 25 or 26. So I when I say 20s, you. I mean mid to late. <laughs> well, I was a lot older than you. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a lovely thought. Yes, but we are very fortunate that that is the case. And actually, that's not even something that I'd considered to take photos of the things that means something um, and, and having that as the memory. And that's a great point. How many do you need of one thing yeah. to be able to have that memory? I think that's a beautiful thing uh, to take mm. away. So let's think about, you know, a client that is packing up. They're going to be moving into a much smaller place mm -hmm. for six to 12 months while their house is being renovated or, or, or built. And I've been in this position many times as well. And my whole frame of thinking has been, okay, what am I going to need in the next six months? What's the season going to be? What clothes okay. am I not going to need? Uh, what kitchen appliances can I really do without for six months? And I know when I did this, I packed everything up, but I labelled the things that I knew I wasn't going to use for six months that I could really let go of for six months so it wasn't yeah. permanent which was yep. good yep. that made it an easier process and I just basically labeled it garage which means it's not even going to be brought into the the, the place by the removalists they're going to stick it straight in the garage and we're not even going to touch it for the next six months uh, that's how I dealt with it so that mm. stuff didn't even come inside I didn't even have Brilliant. to think about it until we moved back and I did a lot of sorting and so forth what what do you suggest for people that are actually moving temporarily into a much smaller place mm. how should they sort and get get ready for this this six month temporary move yeah and I think what you said is really important is like what can what do I need to live well but I don't need everything and so some of the things you want to think about is if you've been told six months, so I was working with a client yesterday who had a six-month new build happening and I went and saw her yesterday and it was 
two years in. <laughs> I was going to say that six months for a new build would be quite ambitious. Yeah, yeah. So I often say, like, think about if you were going on an extended camping Airbnb holiday. Think about if you were, like, what are the things that you could take that life's still good, but maybe you don't need all seven pairs of jeans. Maybe you just need two. Or maybe you don't need all mm. your winter coats. You just have one. But what I also recommend is that you don't put in your head the option of I'm just going to go to the storage unit when I need this thing. I'm just going to go to the garage and unpack that box because my experience is that doesn't tend to happen or people spend an, an innumerable amount of hours themselves or a partner in the garage swearing under their breath trying to find that one thing that you wish you hadn't packed. Sometimes yeah. it's better just to go, how do I live without it? And just in my mind go, once those boxes are sealed and they're put into whatever storage we're going to use for that period of renovation, I'm not going to go to them. Um, it can be really stressful for people. And so the other suggestion I have is if you have a way of identifying the boxes that have gone into that longer-term storage, whether it's like you put a big sticker on it that's one particular colour. So when you're bringing the boxes back to your newly renovated or new build place, you can see which of the boxes that you haven't needed for six, 12, two years, and you can see which of the boxes that were your everyday things because you're actually going to unpack them differently because when you're in a temporary living space, you tend to unpack. You're putting your stuff in the wardrobe. You're unpacking into the kitchen. And so you are going to repack those items, which means you get this great opportunity to do a second touch of everything. You've packed it when you left your original home and then you're packing it again from temporary home to go back. And so you want to be curating that as you go, whereas the items that have been in long-term storage haven't been touched, hasn't had a decision made in whatever period of time it is. And so those boxes, if you can have them just marked in some little way, you kind of know, okay, I want to spend a little bit of time really curating what's in here and does this now fit into the vision that I have for my home? Because then you get this other great opportunity to do a little bit of a second mm. deep dive and curation. It's like a second go, a second yeah. decluttering go of all those items. Exactly. And look, I, I agree that you shouldn't need to really touch any of those things. I had them really detailed. Uh, I, I labelled them in a very detailed way if I did right. ever need to go back in, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't need 10 baking tins. I lived no, with you make two. two. Exactly, and I didn't need all my different mixes. It's like I don't need my mix master. I don't need all these big appliances. I'll make do with a hand mixer. Yeah. Or I'll make do with something else. And it's actually, I actually found it when we were living in our tiny little unit and I was sharing my office with my baby. It was, you know, that small that it was quite liberating having less stuff. And I thought, it's wow, so we can really live with so much more. And I found it um, a lot less stressful. And it I'm guilty as charged. Eyes. I'm guilty oh, yeah. as charged, though, yep. when we moved into then, move. the new home, which was our big forever home. and I and you know, we use every house in, in this home, but it's like, wow, did I really, there was something about living in a smaller place and having less that was a lot less stress, it's a lot a less stressful. That in between time, as much as people dread it, is an absolute gift to reshift your focus to how much you need, how much you actually love. Like, can you have great family experiences without all the stuff? Do you still go to the beach even though you're not taking a full wheeling trolley full of stuff? Yeah, we just, in fact, we go more often because it doesn't seem as overwhelming. Mm. And so you kind of think, oh, we played more board games in our temporary rental than we do now that we're back into the great house that has a room that's a games and TV and entertainment room. What's the difference? Oh, we only had the games we loved and it was easier to pull them out and play them. And so it is, it's this beautiful opportunity that you can either despise for the entire time that you're there <laughs> or you can go okay this is just the season what can I learn from this season about my relationship with stuff and what I want going forward mm. it's such a gift it really is it, it's you've just um, framed it in such a beautiful way and it's so so true so what do you say to those who think, and I know you've had, you've experienced it with me, but you've experienced it with so many others who think that everything is worth keeping. So how do you assess 
what to keep or so what to keep and what to get rid of is there a magic Mm. bullet of wisdom apart from what you've just shared of course in terms of is this going to fit into the vision of what you're trying to create in this new home you're going to and of course Mm. my clients all it's the the forever home it's not their their goal to move into this temporary home it's their forever home so what are some of your magic bullets of wisdom around how do you assess what to keep and what to get rid Mm. of is there a quick a quick fix Yeah. So one of the things that I think about is like, I quite like binary decisions in my life, too many complicating factors, and I tend to delay a decision. And so sometimes what will help for people is the only decision you have to make about that item is stay or go. You don't have to decide where it's going to stay. You don't have to decide where it's going to go. How am I going to recycle it? How am I going to donate it? Just go, stay, go, stay, go. So you've got this binary choice. So that will work really well for some people. And other people, I've got something I call the five R's, which is every single item in every single home all across the world forever fits into one of these five categories. So it's rubbish, rehome, return, repurpose and remain. So this the, using these five R's actually can make it really helpful for people because they're like, where does which category does this fit into? So rubbish is simple. It's just rubbish and recycling and composting. It's stuff that has had every bit of life sucked out of it and it needs to now go into rubbish it doesn't have to be landfill obviously it can be much more sustainable than that but it's leaving the house it's clearly rubbish the items to rehome are great because they're items that belong elsewhere in your home so as a mother of two teenage boys I'm forever finding cereal bowls and cups of dried up Milo in their bedrooms (laughs) but those items I don't have to decide where they belong I don't have to decide except that they don't belong there. So I just take them out, put them in the kitchen. I don't have to do anything with them to have them in the right spot. So rehoming is really about like that reshuffling items around your home, putting them back where they belong, that tidy up. Return is things that belong to someone else. So these, again, an easy decision. You don't have to decide if it's staying or going. You just have to go, oh, yeah, that belongs to mum and give it back to mum or that belongs to your kid from school who left their jumper here. Great. I'll put it in my kid's bag to remember. So the rubbish and rehome and return is like your easy, as easy as possible Mm. decisions. And the last two categories are repurpose and remain. So repurpose is about items that have life left in them. They just don't need to live that life out in your possession. And then remain are things that you want to keep, things that you use, things that you love and things that you need. And so some people find that broader framework and that skeleton of going okay where does it fit within that can be much more helpful than just stay or go Um, and so often with a decluttering job when someone says I just don't know where to start and they've done their vision I'm like okay let's pick an R let's go rubbish and in this room what can we see that's straight up recycling and grab one of those paper bags from Coles fill it with recycling, whether it's cardboard boxes you're crushing down or kids' artwork that you don't want to keep anymore, whether it's, you know, old paperwork, get that out. And then you're kind of left with that next level of stuff. And it might be, is there anything in here that belongs elsewhere? Do you really need the, you know, 12-piece screwdriver set in your bedroom or can that go back to the garage, right? So, again, you're like removing a quantity Mm. of things. And these are relatively easy things to do without having to make decisions, Because what you're describing is someone who is like almost they stand at the door and this is, this is, I know this because this is how every client describes it. I'm standing at the door. I know that this room needs decluttering and I I don't know where to start. Mm. It's too much. Do I just pick up the first thing I see? And what if I decide I want to keep it? Where do I put that back? So sometimes removing layers can be helpful Um, And then once you've got those, then you can move into the stay or go, repurpose or remain, and you're moving into that, but you've kind of taken off this, you've skimmed the top of easy decisions. That is such an awesome way to approach it. I'm just thinking about walking into any space in my house and applying that principle. Mm. And I'm also thinking you could even get your kids involved in this. Totally. What's in here that's picking for the rubbish? Uh, Yep. So we could actually make this a fun game. Kids will often throw things away that parents think there is no way they're going to throw this away when we come in and say, all right, we're going to do rubbish. And they start like getting excited about finding rubbish. And you're like, if if I'd said to them, hold up this picture, can we get rid of this? No, 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 I draw that, you know, a week ago and I love it. 
But if I'm like, what's rubbish? They'll like mm. hand me the picture. <laughs> this is so liberating to... for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was actually going to ask you next about what's the best criteria to to adopt sorting. And that is, it's the five R's. Yeah, the five really R's is, is the best way to sort. Yeah. And it's a great way you can do it in, you can do it in multi, you can use it in multiple ways. So you might walk into a space and do how I explained, like sequentially go through. Mm. You might um, have a box of things. And a lot of my clients will have like the five hours on their phone so they can just pull it up because it's hard to remember. And they might go, okay, where does this item sit? And they can kind of have a look through and go, oh yeah, that's actually a return. So you can kind of use it as a, a bucket checklist or you can have areas in the room that's like that's where all the rubbish is going to go and that's where the repurposing is going to go. And as you find things, just pop them in their mm. designated pile. So you can use it in a lot of different ways. I think the part where people often get stuck is, you know, there's nothing wrong with this item. There's nothing wrong with this vase. It's not broken. It doesn't return. It doesn't belong anywhere else. It's not someone else's. I don't need to return it. It's still really good. I still kind of like it, but I also have another seven. Mm. And that's, I think, where that, oh, I've I've got those easy bits out of the way. What now, Amy? Like, how do I make that decision? Um, and I think asking yourself some really good questions removes you from the decision-making from an emotional perspective. So sometimes having some questions, you can say, oh, I do, do I love it? Yeah, I do love it. Do I use it? Well, I guess I use it once a year, but... I totally could use something else. And do I need it? No, I absolutely don't need it. But not everything in our home we need to need. Some things we just love. The artwork behind me, I just love it. So I don't need Mm. it. I don't use it, but I love it. And so it's about doing that. Some um, other questions you can ask are, does this item fit the vision that I have for this space? So if the vision that you have is you want everything to be out on display on some open shelving and that thing's just ugly even though you might use it even though it's something that someone special gave to you you actually don't it doesn't fit the vision that you have um one of the the things I love challenging people on when they're working in a renovated home or a new build is thinking about if I was to buy if I was in this house and I had to start again would I even buy this item and if the answer is no why is have it there? a really good think about why is it there? Now, it might be functional. It might be, that's fine, Amy, but I don't have $200,000 to go and rebuy all the boring things in my house, like a toilet brush and a spatula. But maybe you don't need seven. Maybe mm. you can reduce that quantity down. So good. I love how practical you are. So <laughs> good. You've always got your little tips and I'm just, I know I'm going to have to come off this podcast and go and sort some things out I'm feeling it I'm feeling it <laughs> can I uh, one of the things that I think is quite helpful in a renovation and a new home too is thinking about space so space is really really important and with every cubic centimeter in your home mm. you have to decide am I going to use that space for something or is it going to be an open space So if I came into someone's house and put a massive uh, bench chair in front of their front door and put uh, four lots of linen on top and three saucepans, they would go, that's ridiculous. Like I need the space there. I need the items, but they cannot be there. And so when you are organising your home and when you're making decisions about what to keep, every item, the, the cost of that item is the space that it inhabits. Mm, absolutely so you've kind of and, got to cost it out in your head and it's interesting that you say that about space too because often I will go to people's homes and they feel that every corner every piece of wall needs to be filled yeah oh but but that looks a bit oh but wouldn't I need to have a console there because but that wall's empty then and it's like yes we might have a piece of art on the wall but we don't need every crevice in our home to be filled because it doesn't feel right, but it also doesn't look right anyway. We need to have a balance of things that are going to serve us and function for us. And things like often I will have 
in a corner a lamp or a plant Mm -hmm. but not every corner just some of them because we create balance so and what you're creating yeah go on sorry you're creating intentionality too and you're directing the eye where to land because if every corner has a pot plant and every wall has a painting and every blank you know first meter of the wall has a console you actually don't know where to look and you walk in you're like oh (laughs) this feels wrong but an interior designer's eye is how does this room flow what's right what makes this space beautiful and if you've got clutter it's it's not going to work towards that. It's not, and uh, and I also do work very much off the premise, um, you know, very often on less is more, because yeah. then you're really showcasing the things that should be showcased and that really matter. So, not every crevice needs to be filled. So, and I mean, no, I'm talking and- more about furniture and, you know, f- things that are on the floor. I suppose that are meant to be on the floor that you don't need the whole floor area covered with furniture and other bits and pieces just because there's a spot there. No, and you don't need to plan for every possible scenario in your home either. So I used to have maybe six different um, sizes of vase. So short little ones, skinny ones, big, wide, open mouthed ones. And I don't do flowers very often. And so I kept, I've got it down to just one vase. But what I've just thought of is like, we use quite tall drinking glasses. So if I get a smaller bunch, I literally just put a drinking glass in the middle of the vase put the flowers in the drinking glass and then Love fill it. the big one with water. Nobody knows. Check it actually you out. Multifunctional. keeps them looking beautiful. Yeah. And I still only have one vase. You can also put, um, just on that point, you can also put pebbles in there or sometimes Ooh. I keep the old foam things from the florist that you can stick in oh, there to keep it upright. What of that. Or you tie it with a rubber band, keep the rubber band so it stays upright. Uh, the other thing that I do is I'll use va- um, jugs so that yes, we have for water brilliant. and I'll make that, um, I'll create that as a vase or jars can become vases, mm. milk bottles, the old milk bottles can be, oh, ju- yeah. not that we have those, but you can, um, lots of different, we call them vessels. Yes, uh, lots of vessels. It, just have a vessel. Um, but you're so right that it is, you can definitely have things around your home that can uh, double up as vases are the easy ones actually. Yeah. That so many different things can be vases. It makes it a bit more interesting too, even cans can be vases. I used to paint cans. Oh, that's pretty. And make them a vase. Oh, I like that. When when I used to have a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe get the kids to do it now. Cans. Anyway, that that was an old life of mine. It's many, many, many moons away. <laughs> so, this one, and I this has definitely happened to me. Um, how do you prevent people throwing away things? that they ultimately regret throwing away? Is there a last-minute question? Um, Because certainly that has definitely happened to me and it's like, oh, if I had my time over, I would not have got rid of that Mm. thing. So what's your tip there? So I've just recorded a podcast episode a few weeks ago called Confirmation Bias and it's all about that. That sounds very highbrow, Amy. It's all (laughs) about this regret. Because what happens sometimes, so um, can you think of an example of something that you've decluttered that you regret? Does it immediately come to mind? Yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. Does it immediately come to mind the probably four or 5,000 other things that you got rid of? No. By item? No, no. I, don't, I don't remember all those no. other things. But it's interesting how our brains hold on to the one thing that we regret and then it becomes this um, a big part of our decision making is I don't want to regret it so my answer is no there is actually no way to guarantee that you're not going to get rid of something that you regret and I would also even go to the point of saying expect it to happen but what I do try and do with clients is I you know I'm quite good at being able to notice when someone's got the I'm too tired chuck it all in the bin moment and I will rein them in from that and go no 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 we're not going to just chuck that whole box of things in the bin without even looking through it because you're going to regret that later. Or if they say, look, I didn't get along that well with my mum, just get rid of everything of hers. I might encourage them, well, is there something that you would keep? Because if you throw everything out, you can't, like everything is gone. Is there like a hanky, Mm -hmm. something small? So yes, lots of the decluttering questions can help with that regret. But I think that that regret is a really good sign that you've decluttered well, 
that you're reflective and intentional Mm -hmm. because I don't think there's a way to avoid it. I don't think there's, and also the confirmation bias is around once you've touched the thing and let it go, it's automatically bought it to your recall. And so then in a situation in a week where you could have used that thing, you'll think about it. Whereas if the same situation occurred and you hadn't remembered that you had that spiralizer for your zucchini in the garage, then you're not going to think of it. And even if you did, you're not going to go get it. It's just the fact that you've touched it and made a decision about it that brings it front of mind. And so I don't see the regret of a few items Mm. as a reason to be less... um, intentional when you're decluttering I know that's probably not the answer that you wanted (laughs) oh no it's not about the answer you know that I'm not about there's not necessarily a right or wrong here and I think it's really great that you've been so honest Mm. with the listeners to say look there could be instances where there'll be a couple of things that you do regret throwing out rather than going oh you know you'll never have that feeling the thing that I regretted there's a a few but the Mm. thing that really comes to mind is it was a sentimental thing it was yeah. a tape from 1980. Now I'm really showing my age. It was a tape, yes, one yes, of those things. Yeah, we had tapes, yep. And it was something that uh, was given to me when I was very little as a kid and that guy died and he was a really, really big part of my life. Mm. And um, and my mother and I were talking about it and I think she prompted it in me as well. You got rid of the tape. <laughs> and then I was yeah. frantically trying to get an, a, a, um, another way of getting this tape. Yeah. Uh, so I will, re- and I remember I was going through the bags trying to find oh, it friend. and it had gone. So, and it was just one tape that I should have kept because I know I got rid of all my tapes. But anyway, I got rid of it and that's, you know, it's, I do think Can about it a lot. Can I ask you a, a question around that? Yeah. yeah. Have you thought more about the tape since you got rid of it than before when it was in a box in your garage? Yes. And that's, that's what you're talking about. Isn't I have. A good- yeah, 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 and it, it probably yeah. is. Ironically, and I'm not saying that we should That's get right. rid of sentimental things for this, but ironically but getting rid bias. of it means that you are thinking about your friend that was yeah. really important to you. It means that you're like at it, you're put, placing value on that friendship and relationship and you've probably honoured him more in getting rid of it and regretting it. And, again, this is not a rule of so thumb. True. I just like I'm just noticing as you're saying it that you speak of him with this such joy in your face Mm. and actually that was triggered by the decluttering (laughs) it was I know but that's exactly what you're saying so it's it's amazing to think about how all these things happen as part of this process and you're absolutely spot on totally spot on about it so um that's a very interesting I've been doing a lot of work with downsizers and I pick the audience, but one of the things I say to them is at some point in probably the next 20 to 30 years, every single item of yours will go. Mm, mm, mm. And so if that's the case, how can you identify for those who are going through your things what the dozen important things are? So if there is a, a hat that means something particular to you because you bought it overseas on a trip and the person that you met and, and this, there's a story with it, keep that hat and write the story down so that when someone is coming into your home eventually and it will happen to you and I as much as it will happen to every single listener, is at one point or another we will be decluttered from our things. We will be the thing decluttered. <laughs> so how can you make it, you know, pass on that legacy with the story by oh writing that down? That is such a beautiful thing. So what I'm going to do, Amy, is I'm going to edit just that piece out and send that to my parents and say, excuse me, can you please go and do this with the things? Because I've noticed that my mother is talking about certain things, about, I don't know, crockery piece or something, and it's like, I never knew that story. Can you write the story down? I would have put that in the same basket as you came at crockery how was I exactly so oh that is such a beautiful beautiful thing and I was actually just feeling the emotion rise up into me as you were talking about that how many times do and I actually often when I'm in op shops because I love going to op shops and I think this has been probably a deceased estate 
And I wonder what the story was behind this. Did Mm. they treasure this or, you know, why did it go? Why did it not go to the family? Um, Because there's some amazing things that end up there. So that is such a beautiful tip, Amy, and I really hope all the listeners out there really take that on board because that is beautiful. Keep the story going down the generations and they're the things to keep. Yeah. Because they really meant something personally to the person that's gone. They are the gold, the pieces of gold. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) So that's actually um, goes, because I was actually going to ask you about the big doozies that I know many many of my clients struggle with. And one of them was around the sentimental items. That's a really good way of, I suppose, ring fencing sentimental items for the future. I love that idea. how I would describe that. Yeah. But what about things that you've inherited just Mm -hmm. because you inherited them? They weren't necessarily passed down with that beautiful story and meaning or even things that were given to you as gifts, you know, from your mom or or someone special in your life think, yeah, it's not really doing it for me or it's taking up a lot of space. It doesn't fit my vision. What do we do with that stuff? Because there's meaning there. You love the person. You don't have to love the stuff. So if your kids gave you six Mother's Day cups over the course of six years of primary school, you can still love your child and get rid of every single one of those ugly mugs. Every single one. Why? If you don't like drinking out of them, they're always that fat, cheap crockery. Yeah. I don't want to drink my tea out of that. I want my tea out of China just to be a snob about it, but that's what I want to drink my tea out of. Mm. So I think that you can... It's important to separate yourself from the item and the the item from the person, sorry. And so, yes, mum gave me that. And I love my mum. I just don't happen to love that ornament. Mm. Why am I displaying it in my house, in my house, when I don't love it? So there's a few different options. You can do the, hey, mum, I've decided, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me and da-da-da. I've decided that this just kind of doesn't suit the house anymore. Is it something that you would want in your house? And if she says no, donate it. Let somebody else who will see it in an op shop and like text their friends how cool that thing is, let Mm. them have it because otherwise it's just clutter in your house that you actually are just keeping out of guilt. And so I think that that can work across inherited items. Just because you inherited it doesn't mean you have to keep it. If there's a story, how can you retell the story? Um, I had a client who had, remember when a lot of our grandparents and parents immigrated to Australia, they had those tea chests. And so her mother-in-law had immigrated with a tea chest and it had a full set of crockery, like the dinner plates and the sauces and the teacup, like everything. And it was ugly as anything. It had this weird animal print rim around it. It had hand-painted animals in the middle. It was not, it was not a lovely dinner set. And she had kept it in that corner cupboard in the kitchen that everyone hates. She'd kept it in there for years and years. And she's like, I can't get rid of it. Like they went to the effort of bringing it over to Australia and I want to honour that. And in the end, I was like, but you hate it. So what she ended up doing is taking one of the dinner plates Mm. and displaying it in the kitchen on a plate stand. And then she loved it because it wasn't too much. (laughs) It was just one item of her family history and got rid of the rest, no problems. Beautiful. Or you could have just even just keep one of each, the, the cup, the saucer, yeah, just have correct. one set and that's maybe I'll eat from that once a week or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So many innovative ideas on what you can do with those things. <laughs> I know one of the ones that I get asked a lot about is what to do with the furniture that's been inherited. And that's obviously sometimes a bit more challenging because, you know, it can have a, it can have a lot of meaning sometimes. I actually really like the piece. So I have some clients that fully embrace it and we design around it. Yep. Some are not super keen to keep it as they don't really like it, where others just have too much of it. Um, but I also, adv- well, I advise to keep the pieces that they love and that actually fit in the space. And what I mean mm. by fit is not necessarily style-wise, that, but scale-wise. It actually yeah. works in the space from a size perspective. Because I am a strong believer that you can have a mix of styles and items Oh, totally. Shouldn't be matchy-matchy because uh, other times I have people say, I'm moving into a new apartment, so I've got to get rid of all this antique furniture that my mum gave me. It's like, hang on a minute, where's that thinking coming from? Rule. We can absolutely, what are the pieces that you really love? What are the couple of things that we can take? Um, so that's what I find with furniture. It doesn't um, keep a couple of the pieces that really work and we can design around it. 
What about boxes and boxes and boxes of photos? <laughs> oh, if I get a dollar for every time I get asked about photos. So, oh, I, I, well, I, I know. And let's just say for those younger listeners out there who have only ever grown up really with digital digital imaging, let's leave the electronic filing separately because yeah. that's that's a disaster in itself, but it's not really taking up space in space, your home, yeah, so to speak. Right. It's taking up space on your computer. Um, but these boxes and boxes and photos, and I am absolutely guilty as charged. Um, what's your top tip I, for that? So leave them to the end. So have a space when you're decluttering your home, you're preparing to move out, have an open box where every time you find a photo, whether it's in a frame or in a packet still from the chemist or it's in an album or it's loose, put it all together and keep that box open until the end because you will find photos in the places that you did not know photos were being kept in your home. And then when you move in back into your new house, so put that in your long-term storage. Even if you think, oh, I know what I'll do. In the time that I'm in our in-between house, my projects will be the photos. You, you're not going to get to it. You've got no, you're not. a renovation and a build happening. Just take that off your shoulders, put it in your long-term storage. When you bring it into your house, leave it in the box in a wardrobe or something and schedule a time when you're going to go, okay, I've settled in, all my interiors are done, my soft furnishings are done, I'm settled because it is a project on its own and it's really nice to feel like you can dedicate the time to it. So. I almost do like a really simple um, go through. So what photos can I get rid of that I don't know the people in it? It's just landscape. I've got duplicates. It was my 14th birthday party for my best friend and I have 44 photos from it. Is there one <laughs> that I can keep from that event? So, you know, how can you do that quick cull? And then once you've got like the gold, you can decide whether you're going to do a photo book, whether you're going to use an album, whether you're going to digitize You've got options then of how to organise it, but it's that decluttering process where you have to just sit there and be okay that mm. they're going to have to go into landfill. They can't even be recycled because they've got a film on them. They've got a not the film that you like have in the camera, but they've got a film on the piece of paper for the photo. Just let them go because nobody's going to look at those photos in 20 years and go, I'm so glad that mum kept that photo of the tree from grade four camp. She's not, Nobody's going to think that. <laughs> No, I love it. Oh, that's so good. So good. And then is it the same sort of principle then with admin, filing cabinet upon filing cabinet of years' worth of papers? Yeah, uh, I, I would I'm treat that put, a little I'm, bit I'm differently. Guilty as charged. I'm guilty yeah. as charged. So talk to me and talk to our listeners yeah, about what so we're doing. So I would do admin. so paperwork and photos are a bit different because photos you kind of need to go through all together, but papers you want to get rid of as much as you can before you leave. Because papers carry with them a mental load that is hard to describe until you get free from it. And so if you can, while you're going through, you want to get rid of all your old bills. You want to get rid of your old, you know, contracts for your phone and anything that's kind of old, you want to get rid of. Even old tax returns. You don't, there's very few pieces of paper that you need to keep anymore. Now, I'm not someone who's fully digital. You know, I was brought up where you, paid a bill and then wrote on the bill the amount you paid and the date you paid it and then you filed it in order and so you need to get rid of a lot of your paperwork I've got a paperwork course if people kind of like I don't know where to start it's just a $97 course that takes you through what to do with every single piece of paper that will ever enter your world um, it was developed in conjunction with lawyers and accountants and bookkeepers and disability support workers and single people and like it's you really really don't need much paper and I am yet to find, I'm happy to be wrong, I'm yet to find a person that needs a domestic filing cabinet. Ooh, that's controversial. Never. Now, I have to say I've got nine one. nine and a half years. And it was so, what is it, five drawers? Yep. And it was so full that I couldn't actually get any more papers in it. So I did do <laughs> last year a massive cull. So yeah. I am the classic, oh, I've got to keep it for seven years just in case the tax man comes thing. But then I got rid of all the papers and shredded all the papers that were from, you know, 1996. Yeah, that's right. 97, okay. all the stuff that I still had from London. It's like, you yeah. nutcase, you've got to get rid of this. Yeah. And I have to say it was so 
refreshing when I got rid of it. And then I had more space created for the current filing, which by the yeah. sounds of it, I don't need. But uh, I am still a, pa- a bit of a paper person when yep. it comes to my bills because I find it much faster to find things if I can just yeah. go to my beautifully organised filing cabinet now. Excellent. But that took a long time, but I did yeah. feel good and I can find things quickly. Yeah, yeah. So if you could, the, the, more, the more you can get rid of before you move, the better. Because it is not fun going through that stuff when you come back in. It's Agreed. not fun. People yeah. are going to put it off and just not do it. And I think the whole thing around packing up for this six or 12-month move is if you can sort, and I know I did this also when I was moving backwards and forwards overseas, but if you can do the sorting before you go and do that six-month move, when you move back into your new house, it's going to be so much easier to actually move back in faster but mm-hmm. also just without the additional stress of, oh, I don't really, you've got to sort when you move in. The, the first thing you want to do when you move in is have all that sorting done yeah. so that everything that you're moving in with are the things that you really want to move in with. I think that would be my tip. I don't know yeah, if Yeah, and one of the things you do when you move house or you pack to move out for a period is you touch every single item. So as you're doing that, give your future self a gift. Like think of the person that Fran just described, standing in your new house with boxes coming in and think of how good it's going to feel when you open the boxes and think, I'm so glad that I went through this before I packed. Correct. And that is something I'm grateful for that I did when we did all the moves in between for our builds, that I did do all the sorting before we moved back. And I was excited about unpacking because I knew that there were going to be, you know, boxes of gold in there that I hadn't seen for ages and I was waiting I was oh, waiting awesome. to move into my new house to get, you know, the tea set out or something that I that I wasn't able to use for a period of time. And it was like Christmas all over again because I knew oh, the I things that, that were coming into my new house were the things I really wanted to have in my new house. Uh, you can take that snippet out and just send it to the world because that that is everything with the intention of decluttering before you move. Mm. So maybe I'm not as bad as I thought I was then, Amy. I sort of got, you know, I I can be good in parts and really bad in (laughs) others. (laughs) Isn't that the story of all of our lives? It is, it is. So one last thing, actually, before I'll just ask you, you know, for your last bits of gold, because, I mean, we could talk for days, really, I know. But what about all this stuff, especially when you're talking about the, the five R's? And you're getting rid of all these things. You've already said that things like photos with the film on them, with the the coating on them can't be recycled. But from a sustainability perspective, what are you advising? We already know that op shops are overwhelmed with stuff. A lot of the stuff is not things that they want. So do you have um, some tips for people about doing this in a sustainable way? Yeah, and I think people would be surprised how many Um, different recycling programs that are out there at the moment. There's a great website called recyclingnearme.com.au and you can actually put in, you know, scrap metal or old shoes, old linen. You can put in whatever your thing is that you're getting rid of and it will tell you either where you can repurpose it. So it might be I've got really, you know, cruddy old sheets that are falling apart but they're not stained and dirty. Oh, you can take them to a local vet. Yes. And then if that's not an option, here's a fabric recycling program. And so that website is brilliant. And a lot of our clients, you know, we separate out your globes and your batteries and your fabrics and shoes can often be put in with fabrics. And where can we recycle this timber? And what can we put online on a free buy, swap and sell page of things that you're like, I don't have the energy to try and sell this. And I also don't have the energy to take it to an op shop and then say, oh, we're actually not taking any more of those. Could I just give it away for free? And so I think Mm. it is important to be thinking about that. What I'll also say alongside that is sometimes you can have a practice that you want to implement long term, like being really environmentally conscious. But when you're in the middle of a project and you're decluttering because you've got a deadline to move, may not be the best time to be finding out, you know, should I be taking the shoelaces out of the shoes and donating those to separate places? So sometimes there's a compromise in the bulk of the moment so that you can achieve your goal and then you can actually implement these really good habits. And the best habit you can implement is buy less, buy consciously, buy secondhand, buy well-made, all the things, Fran, that you just are hot on that's actually the best way 
to deal with the stuff at the end is be more conscious about how we bring it in instead of just buying 15 t-shirts because they're $3 each and they're going to wear out in 12 months. Would you spend a little bit more and buy a shirt that's actually going to last for six years? Mm. So, you know, there's both sides of that scale, I think. That's a, and that is absolutely what um, I do talk about with clients and so forth. Yeah. It is definitely uh, buy, buh once, buy well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, buy, buy once as much as possible anyway. You know, yeah. I always had the philosophy, even in my 20s, I'm going to buy it once, I'll buy good quality. So, and that, and that, you, I, you know, I've talked with you before about fashion side of things. Like mm. you've bought clothes and shoes that are such good quality that you are wearing them for decades because they're the style. They're not the current fad. They're beautiful. They suit you. They're your personality. And then, of course, they last longer. It's exactly what I say about interiors as well. And thank you for giving me that comment about my shoes. But, look, I'm still wearing shoes that are 20 or 30 years old. Uh, because I invested then, they would have cost me an absolute fortune at that mm-hmm. time when I wasn't earning as much and um, and I can still wear them. You know, you, that's the other great Best. thing about shoes. You never outgrow the shoes, really. Yeah. Um, you know, so clothes may, you know, fluctuate a little bit over, over our uh, life. But that's exactly what I say about interiors, that, you know, if you're buying really good quality, it will stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, but I love that website, Recycling Near Me, and I'll put that in the show notes. And I'll also put the course that you're talking about with regards to paperwork in the show notes as well. So I suppose to finish up then, what other areas that you could advise on for for people moving out uh, to renovate? You've covered a lot of things. Um, are there any other top suggestions or tips that you can um, give the listeners or we've, mm. we've really exhausted what the options are? There's so many different things for people to take away from this. There are, I I think I just had one final tip that um, it's just something to consider is if you're paying for external storage, so if you're paying for a storage unit or you're hiring storage from someone, you're hiring a shipping container and putting it on a property, there's a cost associated with that storage. And so are there some items in your life that are not worth the cost of storing? So, for instance, it might be um, your kids' beds you know that actually they're going to probably need to get longer beds or bigger beds as they get older and they may only have 12 months left of that bed and no, no, no. Is it worth storing it or is it worth selling it now, getting 100 bucks for it You're also and then saving the money on the storage unit and then just buying the bed that is the long-term bed for that house? Is there things that you would otherwise store that you know, like the value of them is such that you might as well give the things away or sell them now and buy them secondhand again at the other end. I've got um, friends doing this at the moment. So they're they're doing exactly what we're talking about. They've bought a house, they're renovating it, they've moved out, they're about to move back in. And what they did in between, because they knew it would be two to three years, it was a really big build, is they sold all of their furniture, everything, because the cost to store their furniture over that period of time was just exorbitant and then also would they want new furniture anyway when they got Mm. to the new house because the style was and then at that point are they going to have the motivation to sell the items that now seem like oh but I've bought them and I invested all this money in storing them and so they actually just sold everything at the start put that money aside you know saved money on their storage unit so you know it's just a, a thing to think about are there things that are actually not worth paying to store well, it's the opportunity cost. And look, we do have clients yeah. that do that. They already know in advance all the things we've got are just absolutely at the end of their life. Yeah. So we're not going to store them. We're going, we already know that we're going to move in with predominantly just about everything new. Yeah. Um, and they don't store either. But that money can go towards buying the new things. It's not totally. cheap to store. So it's uh, we definitely do have expensive. clients that are doing that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a great tip. Super, super, super tip. So Amy, where can people find you and your amazing podcast as well? So if people want more advice and tips on what to do, because you, your podcast covers, you know, an episode on what to do with photos, what to do with admin, what to do with this, which, you know, you can just go and find, oh, I'm going to clean out my office today. What? Let me listen to Amy and tell, yeah. tell me what to do. So where can they find you and also your podcast? So The Art of Decluttering. If you put that into any podcast apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Facebook, Instagram, just put the art of decluttering 
and you will find me. I'm in all the places. Um, and there, as Fran said, there's lots of resources. We've got a Facebook community of, I don't know, 120 odd thousand people. Um, so if you need to kind of have that visual, what can I do? Can I post a photo and go, I don't quite know how to organize this space or I've got 12 of these. What's some ideas of how to get rid of them? That can be a good place to um, hang out as well. I do hang out in that space. You do. I hang out there, in your space too. Yeah, there's some great um <laughs> There's always some great tips in there about what to do with, with this and that. And then, of course, the Art of Decluttering website is where they can find out more about you and yeah. uh, all the other service that you provide as well. It's been so awesome having you so on. Good. I knew it would be. You're so generous with your information. You're so articulate. You describe things so beautifully. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. And I'm sure that people are walking away with just so many things that they can go away with. Uh, to help them uh, declutter and sort their life out before they renovate. And as I said right at the start, this is actually not just for those that are renovating and or moving out to renovate or new, but you can apply this today. Yeah. Anyone can apply it today. Thank you for having me. It's been like, oh, I've just loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy. See you later. Bye. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is recorded on. I would also like to pay respects to their elders, both past and present of the Kulin Nation, and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to rate and review the show on your podcast app. That will help others to find the Art of Decluttering podcast as well. If you'd like any more information, you can visit theartofdecluttering.com.au and I would love to see you in my Facebook group. Just search The Art of Decluttering community on Facebook and join today. I hope that you have an incredible rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Enjoy the freedom.